And we're going to take a break from there just this week, and I want to preach the message this morning entitled Reaching the Next Generation. We look at our world today, and I don't know if you realize it and look around us, but this world is after our children. And if you don't believe that, you got your head in the sand. And I say that as nice as I can this morning. This world wants to teach our children everything opposite of what God has for us. And they're doing a pretty good job of it. In our schools, in our universities, a young man in our church, he goes to a local community college. And uh, he was talking to me last week, and he has to write a paper on why masculinity is ruining America. That was the title of the paper. And I said, well, just don't write it. He said, I won't get a good grade. So he's going to write I said, let me read it when you get done. That will be an interesting read when it's done. But the thing is, this world is not going to teach truth. It's not. And the problem is, the more that our young people get sucked into that stuff, the harder it's going to be. But I want you to know something. It's not a lost cause today. You know, we look at our homes, and you might look at your home and be like, well, pastor, I'm a single mom. I'm a single dad. I'm just a foster parent. I'm a grandparent. How can I influence and help reach the next generation? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And I know this morning as we dive into the message, Mother's Day in the past, I've preached messages straight for mothers, and then on Father's Day, I'm like extra hard on the fathers, and, not, and I go easy on the mothers, but I'm not a mother, so I don't know what that's like. So I can't be hard on mothers, because I'm not one, but I can be hard on fathers, because I know I am one of those, and I know what I need. But I feel like, I'm, and I feel like the Lord was leading me this time, and maybe I'll do this on Father's Day and Mother's Day, talk about reaching the next generation, because it's super important. And uh, I know today, Mother's Day, so many of you have so many different emotions when it comes to Mother's Day. And I realize that today. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't make much of today. It is an honor that God gives to those to be called mom. I know our world's trying to say and trying to blend everything together. Men cannot be moms. They can't. I don't have the patience. The other day, I added it up. So in the mornings for school, Caroline teaches here at the Christian school, and I, um, I help the kids get ready and go to school. I bring them so she can come to her classroom ready. So I added up on, it was uh, Monday morning, from 7.05 to 7.30, how many times my four children said, Mom? Because I wanted it for the message today. Now, this is the thing. They say it all the time. David on Monday, an example, my redhead. I'm literally right in front of him. Mom! I'm like, I'm right here. No, I need Mom, not you. In 25 minutes' time, my four children said, Mom, 30 two times. 32 times. Now that show, and you got to understand, and she's so patient with it. I would wring their necks. 
saying dad 32 times. I'm right here. Just tell me what you need. And you know, and they're like, mom, where's my shoe? Like, go, and that's, it's, go find your shoe. And then she helps them find their shoe. It's no wonder they go to mom and not to me when it comes to finding the shoe. I get that. I see that. I, I get that just a little bit there. But today's a hard day for a lot of people. And when we think about moms and all that they do, there's so much that could be said. There was a junior high class that the teacher was teaching on ma magnets and the properties of magnets and spent several days. So the teacher got into class the next day and said, we're going to have a, uh, a quiz, a pop quiz today. Everyone pull out a piece of paper. And here's the first question. My name begins with M, has six letters, and I pick things up. What am I? Half the class said mother, not magnet. And there's a lot of truth right there in that. There was this father who was trying to explain the concept of marriage to his four-year-old daughter, and he got out the wedding album. And thinking a visual image would help his daughter and explain the wedding service to her and how it worked. And... Um, when he finished, he asked if she had any questions. And uh, she pointed to the picture of the wedding party and asked, Dad, is this when Mommy came to work for us? And No, not quite, but that's what the girl said there. You ever hear the quote that if Dad ain't happy, nobody cares? But if Mom ain't happy, nobody's happy? You ever hear that one before? There's a lot of truth to those things. Um, Ralph Emerson said this, Men are what their mothers make them. There's an old Spanish proverb that says, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. We look in the Bible of many great mothers. My mind goes back to Jochebed. And the fact that she was willing to disobey the law to protect her son. That's how much she loved her son. I think about that, I was just reading the other day about Solomon being so wise. And remember how these two moms, they, they were in the same household and things. They both had children, and the one basically suffocated her one child, but then claimed the next day that that child that was alive was hers. And then she said, why don't we just cut the baby? And Solomon's like, we'll cut the baby in half. And the one mom was like, sure. I would have killed the baby. The one, one mom's like, no, we'll just let her have the baby. She loved her baby enough and the love that she had. We look at Hannah and how she was, the Bible says she was, the priest literally thought she was a drunk woman. Her cry to God for a baby. And she told God, I will give that baby to you if you give me a child. It's one thing to say it to God. It's another thing to follow through as Hannah did. We could look at in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 31. We'll talk about this at the end of the message this morning. We look at King Lamuel. In Proverbs 31, it talks about all the lessons his mom taught him about how a good king doesn't get drunk and how a man finding a virtuous woman is a good thing. And his mother showed him love by teaching him the things to reach others. We could go on looking at those things today. And I know this morning, as we, um, we, have, we, have, we have some seats opened up, so we'll let the, let the Rizzos come on in. And it's perfect. That rose. We're almost out of space this morning, and that's, that's a good thing. Both services were full this morning. And so as a church, we should be in prayer that God would give us more space. We need more space. Then I could only preach one service, and I could do an hour and a half long message in that one service, because why not, right? And, uh, 
But I know today is not an easy day for a lot of you in this room. And uh, I was, I mentioned last service, and I don't, this service I get recorded so people hear me. It doesn't always work that way. And it's great to have Karen here today. And Karen, she, I know she came to the Lay's thing, but she, um, she's been uh, very sick. And she, she watches online almost every service. And that was an, it's an encouragement to me to know that someone watches it. And so thank you, and I'm grateful you could be here for your mom here today. And it's so much better to see you up and moving around than last time I saw you in that hospital bed. So keep up the good work. I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy, but you just keep moving forward and you keep plugging. And you're doing great. And so keep that up. But it's awesome to have you here today. It made my day seeing you, and I know it made your mom's day even more. And so she, it was neat to see her get a little surprised there. So that was, she was surprised, and that's good. But I'm grateful that you're here today. And then, um, who else? What's your name? Claudia? We're glad you're here, too. So thank you for being here as well. And so you're both two special people. I hear a lot about both of you. And so, and it's awesome to have you here today. And then I know there are other family members that are here with family today, and that's great. Leo, you got a guest next to you? It's your mom. I don't believe it. She looks too young to be your mom. You look older than she does, so <laughs> I don't know how that happens. Man, because she, uh, she walked in date, and I'm like, uh... Leo can't have two dates with him today, you know, it doesn't work that way. And then I, and I'm like, I, I figure, I see the resemblance there, but it's nice to meet you and thanks for being here today. And so I think I got everyone else there. And I don't, who? Katie's mom, she's a regular though, and so we're glad that Katie's mom is here. And it's great to have you. I think she slipped outside though this morning. It was all Katie's fault. We'll blame Katie, okay? Whoa, you're in here now. Where did you come from? That just scared me. I thought Katie was gone, hidden somewhere, and then Katie's voice appeared in the room, and I'm like, whoa. And then, and then who's this sharp-looking guy right here on the corner? Got all dressed up today. Looked good. And that's awesome. I'm glad that you are here. As I mentioned, uh, yeah, I don't want to embarrass Dean that he's here today. It's always great to see Dean. Dean, your mom embarrassed you enough, I know that. And so, but I am glad you came for your mom. You might not realize it, but I know it means the world to her that you're with her today. And so, and that's a good thing. If she didn't, if it didn't mean the world that you were with her, then that would be bad. But it means, I know it means the world to her. So thank you for doing that for your mom and being here today. And so, all right. And then, is there a new baby here too? Right there, the baby is here. That's awesome. And so, Mila, she is beautiful. And so a beautiful baby. And then is she still quiet and sleeping a lot? Yeah? I'll get loud in a minute and we'll test it, okay? And so, but great to have you guys back today. And uh, with a new child in the house and same thing back there. We got two beautiful baby girls in the auditorium here today. And so it's awesome. What an awesome thing. As I mentioned, I know today's hard for a lot of people. And sometimes I could just leave this out but I think it needs to be talked about a little bit. Um, my mom, she's getting to the point to where she doesn't remember a lot of things. There'll be days she remembers me. There's days she doesn't remember who I am. I'll tell her that it's her favorite son. And then on day, then she'll be like, all of them are my favorite, which that's a, that, that means she's still there. That's good. But then I'm like, but we're talking about privately, mom. It's, and she's like, Brian. And she gets it. But... <laughs> 
my mom lost her mom. Her mom died of cancer in 1982. So my mom was 35 when her mom passed away. And her mom's birthday is May 9th. It's always around Mother's Day. And since I've been alive, Mother's Day, my mom enjoys having her family with her, but it's a hard day for her because her mom's birthday is right before it. And even the other day, <laughs> I was at her house on the 9th that morning, and I saw her look at her calendar. She doesn't even know most of the time what day different things are. And she looked at her calendar, she just put her head down. I said, Mom, why are you putting your head down? She said, it's the 9th. The 9th of what? You know. And I didn't say anything else. It hurts her to this day. I know there's some of you in this room, you've lost your mom. And so today comes around and you just think about your mom. But you guys would think I was talking to my mom the other day. Her mom, her cancer was, I never got to meet my grandma. But her cancer was bad. And to think that she is walking on streets of gold in heaven with Jesus. What a hope we have. But I know that if your mom's not here, that's hard. I also think of my sister. My sister, and hopefully she doesn't watch my services. Sometimes she does. She's one of the most godly ladies I've ever met. She's in her late 50s now. And been married for years. A great lady. And never had children. And I remember the day that um, she came to my parents' house with a little thing. And she was pregnant. She was so excited. I've never seen my sister so excited. And I remember the knock on the door four weeks later. And her just bawling her eyes out because she miscarried. I know today's hard on her. And it's one of those things you just don't bring up. But for the past... 30 plus years she's given her life to minister she teaches over 20 years a Wednesday night kids class she's invested her life in so many kids and in a lot of ways she's been a better mom to a lot of kids than what they've ever had but I know for her that today is a hard day and you might be here and you thought you had these big dreams of having children having a family and maybe it didn't work out the way you thought it would and that makes it hard for you today. Some of you didn't have a good mom. So even thinking about her is hard. I get that. But we also can't take all of that and not celebrate what God has given us in the moms that we have. There's a fine line with all that. And I know some of you... Kevin that just sang a few minutes ago that special this morning. This is his first Mother's Day without his mom. I wasn't going to mention that when he sang. It was his first one. And I know several of you in the room, it's only been a few, and it's, you would love to be able to pick up the phone and just say, Happy Mother's Day. And then maybe in your family, you've got a child who won't even speak to you right now. And you wish that they would wake up to the fact that someday they won't even have you. God knows where you're at. He knows the struggles. And God is good in the midst of it, and he loves you today.
I want you to know that your pastor cares and thinks about those things. And I know there are many of you, you know, Dolly, your mom, it wasn't too long ago. Bridget, it wasn't that long ago. There are some of you I prayed extra this morning for just thinking about those things. And you're loved and cared for. And ladies in the room, if you have children or not, you have made a great impact on a lot of people. It could be nieces and nephews. It could be whatever the case may be. And so at the end of our service, we're going to honor all our ladies this morning. With that being said, I'm going to quit being sentimental now and get to the message. The other day, my niece graduated from Bible college, and uh, it was Wednesday night, and I'm there. And I saw my niece. She's in her cap and gown. After I didn't tear up at all through her whole thing. Afterwards, she's just standing there. And I look at her, and then I started thinking about her being a newborn and holding her. And started thinking about her growing up, the little kid, the little troublemaker, Emily. And then she's a grown lady. And I got tears in my eyes. And she saw me, and she looked, Uncle Brian, stop now. You're going to mess up my makeup. Stop now. And then I got a pretty good picture. Well, someone got a picture. It shouldn't have been taken then. I've got some tears in my eyes. She does, and my brother, all three of us. So, yeah, I'm the sentimental, the sappy Pattison. It's just the way it worked out. I told God when he wanted me a pastor, I'm like, it's really not a good mix to have tears and be a pastor because I, I cry too much. Because what happens when I do all the memorial services I do? I, I see a family member crying. I cry with them. And it, 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 so that's just me. So just the way it is, just the way it goes. And so now I'm done with that. And now we're going to get to the message. All right, let's get to the message this morning. Second Timothy chapter number 1, 2 Timothy chapter number 1. We won't be long today. And I know you say, Pastor, you always say that on Mother's Day. I mean it, okay? I mean it on Mother's Day. Last service, I didn't even finish my message. And so we'll get through this today. And this morning, as we talk about reaching the next generation, I know today we have so many. We talk about our homes and we talk about what this world's trying to do with our children and what it's trying to teach our children. Do you realize our children need God? And you might look and you might say, well, what hope do I have? Maybe I'm a, I'm a single mom trying to raise a child for God. Or maybe I'm a, I'm a dad, then there's no mom in the picture, and I'm trying to balance both sides of things. Or maybe there's been divorce in the split home. I want you to know this morning, it doesn't matter if your home is made up of one trying to rear a child, or if it's grandma and grandpa doing it, or if it's a foster parent. When you have God, it's doable. That's what you got to remember this morning. And my mind over the past several weeks has really been focused in on Timothy. Timothy was a young man used of God in a great way. In the Bible, when we talk about Timothy, I'm just going to give you a little background, and then we'll dive into the message. Paul went to this area, and he preached the gospel. And really, Timothy's grandma and mom got saved. The Bible talks about Timothy's dad just a little bit. That's all it says. He was a Greek. That doesn't tell us a lot. What that implies, though, and what people would say it implies, the fact that his dad probably never got saved. Did his dad, was his dad in his home the whole time? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us those things. We know that he had a grandma, and he had a mom, and then he had a pastor in Paul that helped him. And yes, I do believe that God's goal for the home would be a husband and wife, that's God's plan, but it doesn't always work out that way. And God can work at any time. 
in any way. And he's not limited by those things. So don't ever get thinking, my child doesn't have a chance. With God, your child has a chance. That's what you must remember. Reaching the next generation. How can we, and I'm not talking about reaching them for our agendas. Reaching them for the Lord. What can we do? What can you do as a grandparent today? What can you do as a mom? What can you do as a father? What can you do as a aunt or uncle? What can you do as a teacher? What can you do in all these different areas? 2 Timothy 1, verse number 5, the Bible says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. So Paul's writing to Timothy, talking about that unfeigned faith that's in him. Which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Now, one thing I see as we dive into the message this morning is the fact that none of us make it on our own. We are not self-made people this morning, right? You are what you are because people have helped you along the way. And Paul says, Timothy, when I think of you and I think of that, that unfeigned means sincere, real, without hypocrisy. When I remember that real faith that's in you, I think of the fact that I first saw it in your grandma. And then I saw it in your mom. And then I see it in you. So do you see how Timothy learned it from someone? We all learn things, and it gets passed to us. How can we reach the next generation? As we think on this thought for a little bit of time this morning, I want to give you three points. We'll be done. Number one, if we're going to reach the next generation, we need to instill a knowledge of the Scriptures. We need to instill a knowledge of the Scriptures. You've got to understand something today. The world is after our children. And if you don't see it, you are blind to it. Social media is trying to destroy our kids. Now, you say, so I'm not saying keep your kids. I'm not, be careful what you let them see, yes. I'm not saying you have to block all that stuff. But the problem is we are letting the world and the philosophies of the world point and guide, guide our children. And at least, bare minimum, this is the thing, you cannot shelter them completely from the world forever. We live, we don't, we're not going to go buy some land in the desert, plant all our crops, and stay on that, stay in that fence the rest of our lives. Would it be nice? At times it would be. To stay away from the crazy, I get that. But we live in the world here. And if we're going to reach the world with the gospel, guess what? We have to be in the world. We live in it. We have to let our light shine before men. If you're staying hidden, you can't shine it before men. The problem is we got to instill a knowledge of God's word so they know what is right. I want you to understand something today. I sincerely believe that this is truth. How many of you agree with me that this book, the word of God, it is truth? How many of you would agree with me that in this world there's a lot of lies? And the agenda that our world's pushing lies a lot. And even sometimes they mix some truth with lies. You have to have something to measure everything by. Everything we do and how we live, the decisions that we make, should be measured by this book. 
So when the world says this, we should be able to know what God's word says to know what is right. This needs to be our barometer. This is what we look to. When we're looking at what truth is, and when the world says, hey, you need to do this, or you need to do it this way, we need to be able to say, well, what does God's word say? Not what my pastor says. Not what my parents even say. What does the book say? And so we need to be able to look at life and look at this book, but the problem is, parents, we aren't instilling God's word into our children. We're letting everyone else train our kids. We're letting the video games do it, and I'm not against video games. I like video games. Well, let me put this this way. I don't like video games anymore. My children beat me at all the games, so I don't like video games anymore. I used to be pretty good, but now they're way better than I am. We're letting social media, we're letting teachers, schools, we're letting all this stuff teach our children when God designed it for parents to. The same book in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, look at what it says there in verse number 12. It says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Verse 13 says, But the evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And then verse 14 says but to Timothy, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Look at the next verse. And that from a child, that word child there means an infant. And that from an infant, from a young kid, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise in the salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And as we look at this, we see that, Lo- we see that Lois and Eunice taught Timothy the word of God at a young age. And, in, and got it into him. They taught him about Moses, about Samuel, about David. They taught him the things of God. They did what they could to teach him at a young age the word of God. Hey, those of you in the room that influence the next generation, what are you doing to instill God's word in them? You realize, I want you to understand something, before God ever set up the church, God established the home. And the home should be the primary place your children learn God's word. I am grateful for a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. And I do believe you're in one here. I'm grateful for the classes your kids get to be a part of. Between youth group, between the classes that are going on right now, on Sunday nights, the answers in Genesis, those classes that they're learning, Wednesday nights being in here. And then we have a Christian school. And there are many kids that are part of that Christian school. They're learning Bible verses each and every month and all those. And it's wonderful. But our church cannot be a substitute for what is done at home. Our church and our school are to come alongside you and help you train your children. God didn't call me to train your children. God God called you parents to do it. God called me to help equip you and help equip them, but it's your job. I think that Eunice and Lois did what Deuteronomy talks about in chapter 6 and verse 4 through 7. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words, which I command thee this day, look what it says here, shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently. You're going to teach the law diligently unto your children. And shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou liest up. Your children 
to get sick of hearing God's word, really, and not sick of it, but, but does God's word even come up? We'll talk about sports, and boy, the Lakers played good the other night. I won't say anything else about that. And I know some of you, I don't watch sports anymore. I'm glad that you got past that in your life. I've been trying, and I go back. As a dog returns to its vomit, so Brian returns to his sports. That's, that's what happens. I get that. I get some of you, you want to stay clear of that, but uh, go Lakers. Anyways. Um, but my boys will talk about sports. Probably we talk about sports a little more than what we should. When's the last time you just talked about at the dinner table or when you're together, you just talked about God's word? Instill the knowledge of the scriptures. They need it. It's important, and and how important it is. One day there were some scholars arguing over Bible versions and translations. And one guy said that he preferred the King James Version because of the beauty and eloquence of the Old English. Another guy said he liked the New American Standard Version because of its literalism and moving from passage to passage, and it was more accurate and what people say about those things. Third one said he liked the Living Translation, and it's got contemporary phrases and all these things. And after being quiet for a moment, the fourth guy there, they looked at him and said, well, what about you? He's like, well, I personally prefer my mother's translation. And all the scholars, they started laughing a little bit, and he's like, your mom translated the Bible? Like, well, not exactly. My mom translated each page into life. I saw God's word through the life my mom lived. And I'll take that translation over any translation or version. How true that is. Number one, if we're going to reach the next generation, we need to instill a knowledge of the scriptures. Number two, we need to instill a genuine faith. Paul talked about that unfeigned faith, and we don't use that word unfeigned today. That sincere faith, real faith. You know, children are children and teenagers are very good at picking up if someone is real or not. They're very good at it. So you can say all day long, hey, you need to follow God's word, and then they see you not following God's word. If we're going to reach the next generation, we need to be genuine in our faith. You know, it's tough for me. I'm a pastor. So I preach all the time. And I have four kids. And I've got my wife sitting right here. So if I say, you need to do this, and then I'm not doing and practicing what I preach, my kids see that. My wife sees that. My kids are in here often, and William's just about ready to start going to youth group. He's going to get to hear me even more than what he used to. And he knows how dad is at home. If I say, hey, you need to read your Bible, and then he never sees me read my Bible, that's not a genuine faith. Hey, you need to not get mad at people, and then he sees me get mad all the time. Like, well, dad preaches a good thing, but he doesn't live it. We're going to reach the next generation. We need a genuine, sincere faith. Great example that I still remember when I was a kid. I was about seven years old. In our church, the church I grew up in, we had an evangelist come. And evangelists sometimes wreak havoc in churches when they come. And that's fine. They come like a tornado. They come through, and then, they, then the pastor's got to clean up all that they do when the time's over with. So this evangelist, in the middle of his sermons, he, he literally said, how many of you, and this church had four or five hundred in it at the time, if you tithe, men, men, if you tithe, stand up. 
First off, that's between you and God. Secondly, you still should be giving to the Lord. You should, and we'll, we'll leave that there. I'm not gonna, this is Mother's Day. This isn't a giving message. But I remember a seven-year-old, it looked like, to me, every man in that room stood up. And I'm looking around, and my dad's sitting down. And I'm like, Dad, just stand up. He didn't stand up. So afterwards, I'm like, all right, Dad. Everyone else is standing. And we all know, come on, we all know, there is no way that everybody's standing tithe. There's no way. It just doesn't work that way. And if you ever find a church that does, that would be, that would be an amazing thing. Our church is about 30%. That's about where we're at. But anyways, so my dad said, I didn't stand because I don't. I would be lying. And God knows the truth. Uh, and he's like, I'm already not doing what I should be on my giving. I'm not going to lie to God as well and look good in front of other people. You know what that told me? It's real in this guy. It's a real faith. And that, and you know, something that might look bad, actually, I gained respect. Like, wow, my dad, he's, he's real. I, that was good for me. And sometimes parents and teachers and whatever you are, you give this persona that you're holier than thou art and your life doesn't back it up. They see it. We talk about how important God is and we go to church once a month. Does that show that God's important in our lives? We tell our kids they need to study the Word of God and you never read it. We tell our kids they need to pray and then you never pray. We tell our kids they need to have a good attitude and you'd never have a good attitude. Our kids see it. And if we want to reach this next generation, we need to have real faith. I think that's part of the problem today. We see a lot of young people leave the faith. And they step away from church. You say, well, why do you think that happens? I think we're missing a sincere, genuine faith. That's what we're missing today. Because there's this faith out there, and in our Baptist churches I see it a lot. There's this faith out there that you have to do this and do this and do this. But then in leadership, I don't have to do it. I want you to do it. And it turns people off. You need to be genuine. You need to be sincere. It's okay every once in a while. You know, it's okay for you to apologize to your kids every once in a while. I did the other day. I apologized to David for something. I said, what did you do? None of your business. I apologized to him. It's over with and done. Do you know, as a dad, I don't always handle things right. And it's okay to apologize and say, I should have handled that better. Just be real and genuine. That's what our kids need today. They look for it. They really do. Number one, we need to instill a knowledge of God's word. Number two, we need to instill genuine faith. And number three, and lastly this morning, we need to instill a desire to serve. I don't have time to take you to the passage, but we can go to Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 3, explain really where Timothy's background began. And as we look there, we see the fact that Paul, on his missionary journey, when John Mark left, that Timothy went. He went and served. Timothy, as we study the book of First and Second Timothy, he was the pastor at the church at Ephesus. 
He served. But may I just remind you of something? Where did he learn to do those things? Not his dad. His grandma and his mom taught him to serve. If we're going to reach the next generation, we need to get instill the word of God, show them what truth is. We have to instill a genuine faith, and they see that through the life that we live. And we need to instill an attitude of service. Timothy got that from his mom and grandma. Why are our kids and the young people of today going to serve if we don't? Take opportunities. My, my dad worked 40, 50 hours each and every week. And I know sometimes people are like, it's the weekend, it's my time off. That's my time. You know what my dad did for years on his time? He was, he was a diesel mechanic by trade, and on the weekends he fixed buses at church so kids could be picked up on Sundays. Every week. He would drive a bus Sunday morning and pick up kids. Those were his days off. There's a work day at church. He was one of the first ones there and the last one to leave. And who was there? I was with him. It's amazing how it trickles down the line, right? You learn how to serve. My mom, one of the greatest Sunday school teachers I've ever seen. She loved serving those kids. She loved doing all of those things. I learned from them. I was thinking about it the other day. My mom with her health where it's at, I do a lot to help her right now. But I started thinking about when I was a kid, all that we would do to help my grandpa when he was sick. And where did I learn to treat my mom well and help her when she's sick? Seeing her do it for her dad. All my other grandparents were, uh, had passed away before I was born. It's the only grandparent I saw. But do you know some things I can think back on? The fact is she helped her dad and took care of him, but never took away from me and my brother and my dad. She was always there. It wore her out, but she it never missed anything. And I think my family would say it's the same thing. They aren't missing anything out with me because I'm still doing it. I'm still pastoring a church and doing all those things. I learned, and it was instilled from them. If you don't instill this thing of service and loving God and serving God into our kids, they're not going to do it. If you go to church once a month, how often are your kids going to go? Just think about that one. And maybe your kids will be different than you, and, that's, and that could happen. But if you don't make much of God, why are they going to? If you don't serve, why are they going to serve? It all goes hand in hand. If we're going to reach the next generation... We must instill the word of God in them. They need God's word. Not men's opinions, but God's word. God's word is the key. It is the truth. We should filter everything that this world tells us and everything that any pastor and any religious person tells us. It should be filtered through God's word. And if it lines up with God's word, then it's okay. If it doesn't line up with God's word, God's word is the standard and we follow God's word. Not only do we need to instill a knowledge of God's word, but we need to instill a genuine, a real faith. And then lastly, we need to instill this uh, desire, this thing to serve. I, last service, I did not finish up the one, two, and three. 
And I know there are some of you in this room that if you don't have the blanks, it's going to ruin your day till you get those blanks. And it's not like one or two of you. It's like several of you in the room. And I know what's going to happen. If I don't give them to you, you're going to come up to me afterwards. So, Joe, let's put number one on the screen. What did he learn from his mom and grandma? He was a strong believer. And there are verses and things that show that. And if you read Acts 16, 1 through 3, you'll see that he was a strong believer. Number two, number two, he had a good reputation. Those from without, he had a good reputation. And so did his mom and grandma. And then thirdly and lastly there, he was available. And God used Timothy in a great way. He was just available. So some of you there, there's your Mother's Day present right there. You got the end of the notes and you're okay. 